Welcome to the Be Kind to Yourself podcast. My name is Juliana Parker, and I'm delighted and honored to be your host. The goal of this podcast is twofold. My first goal is to increase your awareness of ways you can show yourself self-compassion and grace. My second goal is to send you a virtual high fiver hug to remind you of your power and strength as a human. Each episode, we will discuss the nitty-gritty of what it means to be kind to yourself through guest interviews and actionable tips and strategies. I really appreciate you being here as I know how busy life can be. I hope you will consider subscribing, and as my dad would say, let's get rolling. there and welcome to this episode of the Be Kind to Yourself podcast. I'm so happy you're here. Today, I am so honored to welcome the lovely Miss Leanne Brown to our podcast today. Welcome, Leanne. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to be here. And before we even get started with our uh, interview today, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your, yourself with our re- listeners. You got it. Well, I've been, I think I've called myself a cookbook author for a long time now, but I think I'm, I'm getting to this place now where I'm thinking myself more as a teacher. And Mm -hmm. that's been a really exciting process for me. I obviously, I love to write. I love to produce uh, recipes and I have a couple of cookbooks. um, One good and cheap, which is for people who are living on about a $4 a day of food stamps or snap budget. And that one is freely available and it became this wonderful project that reached so many different communities and Mm -hmm. people have just really embraced it and used it in ways I could never have imagined. It was incredible. And I always think of that book as being about the barriers to cooking for ourselves that are sort of external, money Mm -hmm. in particular, and the way that money impacts um, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we sort of move around in the world the way that it sort of makes us feel limited when really the reality is anybody could have money troubles anybody could experience difficulties in their lives that lead them to um, not have as much money and not be able to maybe make the choices food-wise or anything that they would like to but it has nothing to do with who they are Mm -hmm. and so the book is very much about trying to be empowering and show here is what we can do. And here's the joy that sort of is available to us through cooking. And then my most recent book, which just came out this past year in January is called Good Enough. And that one is much more of the internal sort of side of cooking. And Mm -hmm. for me, because it's internal, it had to be a personal journey. And so there's all kinds of personal essay and it's very much about my own experiences around anxiety and depression and sort of low self-worth, low self-confidence. Um, you might not think it, but I, I felt major imposter syndrome about everything that I've done and, mm-hmm. and struggled with so many different kinds of things. And yet, even as cooking became something, as it became my career and it brought more pressure towards me, it also still always had this incredible ability to soothe and calm me, which is something that I really have wanted to share with people. So even after I put this wonderful book out, good enough, I've been sort of further down that path, realizing that what I want to do is really show people how to cook in a way that is not so focused on the outcome. Like everything that we've ever (laughs) 
teach cooking like we teach, you know, anything in school, like the ABCs, it's like you have it or you don't. It's mm -hmm. you will learn how to cook sourdough bread in this class and you will either accomplish that goal or you will not. And really cooking is this lifelong process. And it's so important that we do it for ourselves. When we are, we are home cooks, we are cooking for ourselves and for our families. We are not chefs in restaurants. And yet we sort of tend to have these expectations of ourselves to do it a particular way, to do it the right way. And there really is no right way, but just what works for you. And I believe that when we have that mindset of having to do it right, it puts all this pressure on ourselves and it makes the process of cooking something that's further stress inducing. And that's just the last mm. thing anyone needs in our lives. I mean, we all, I mean, I just know so many people who work in offices and in these high stress jobs who truly just don't know how to release the tension from their bodies. And so they bring that then into the kitchen and into their home and it's just with them at all times. And if I believe that cooking can be this space where we actually learn to release the tension of the day, mm. where we can actively ground ourselves, consciously mm. breathe, be with the senses, enjoy, you know, the gentle bubbling of the water, mm. the, the wetness of the, the pepper you just sliced, the spray, the beautiful aroma of the spray mm. from that. And all of that is there for you, even if you know, you make a hash of it and it like becomes a big <laughs> and it's not so delicious. You had that whole experience mm -hmm. and there's something so important about taking that in time and time again. The cooking is not always about that outcome. It's actually about this whole beautiful process and how much that can affect the whole evening. Think about if you have children or if you have a partner that you're trying to connect with, if you're in the state of anxiety and we're you're waiting for them to evaluate your food and they're going to not like it. And then you're going to feel bad. That's just bringing sort of, again, more tension, more anxiety mm -hmm. into your life. But if it's something that's connecting and go, yeah, can you believe this? I messed this up and it was funny and fun. <laughs> and it's all a team sort of effort. And mm -hmm. you can bring that all into perspective, then it can always be connecting. And I think that's what we're looking for. We're looking to connect with others. And we're most importantly looking to connect with ourselves. And in my experience, we can do that through cooking um and that's what i want to sort of teach that's the that's my big message and what i hope to embody for others and so that's sort of where i'm going now mm, sounds lovely and congratulations too just the writing a book publishing a book all those steps that you went through congratulations yeah. <laughs> thank you <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i actually think this is a really nice transition time um you know, to your point about the expectations, perhaps sometimes um, yourself, whether internal, external. So for you, Leanne, um, what does the concept of being kind to yourself mean to you, either personally and or professionally? Oh my goodness. I think that has been a, that has been a lifelong learning for me, but mm -hmm. I think it's really shifted in beautiful ways into place over the last few years where I would say being kind to myself means accepting myself wherever I'm at on any day mm -hmm. and accepting that I will be kind of a different person on any day. Mm -hmm. I think that I, for the longest time thought, okay, I'm only like a good, I'm only good at my job. Or I'm only a good parent or I'm only a good partner. Or I'm only a good friend. If I'm always doing all of the things that I'm supposed to, like if my my day ran, I got to that meeting at nine and then I did this other thing. 
sorry about that. All good. It's actually um, a great example of life and roles kind of coming <laughs> ahead, you know. I didn't turn off my, uh, yes, exactly. Didn't turn off my notifications properly. All good. Um, but yes, it's that sort of those days where we can, there are days where we have so much energy and we can get so much done and maybe our emotions, we're feeling hopeful, we're feeling capable, all these things. Those are wonderful days. But then there are days, and whether it's because of an external event or just part of our, the ebb and flow of being a human being, where you can be filled with grief, where we can be deeply frustrated with our situation or with something that has happened, or we feel incapable or unwell. And we have to, rather than going, oh, I can't believe you're not able to do those 20 things that we were on that other day when we were feeling great, it's to allow that to be, this is normal. This is part of being a human being. Every day is different. And to and so being kind to yourself for me is very much about going, what is it that I need right now? And giving that to yourself first and then trusting that in doing that, you will get somewhere else. And you always do. It always shifts when you accept yourself. I think what keeps, for me anyway, what really keeps that tight, awful stuff inside is when I'm expecting myself to be different than how I am that day. When it's like, oh, it's not convenient for you to be really sad today. You have to get your act together. And you know, there is this other piece, which is sometimes we do have to show up for things that are not working for us. We may have to go back to work soon after a parent dies, or we may have to, you know, show up at our child's school after we just lost a baby. We may have, like, there's so many of the experiences that we do have to do, but it's all, I think it's an internal thing, the way we are with ourselves to always be, I'm, I have my hands on my heart right now as I'm just thinking mm. about this. And mm. I think that's the way, whatever way we have, whether it's a touching our body, checking in with the breath, whatever it is that we do, but something that is giving ourselves support for these situations, not sort of going, Ugh, sounding like that, you know, a mean authority figure to ourselves. We want to be the kindest parent, I think, to ourselves. And so that's, yeah, for me, it's all about that sort of mindset and that attitude that we have towards ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I love how you bring in that, <clears throat> that image of the, the kind of parent to ourselves that, you know, our ideal parent, what would, how would that parent tend to us and care for us? And yeah, I have an essay about that actually in Good Enough, oh. being our own best parent. Because I think it's such a powerful way to think internally. And it's not to say we replace our real parents that may be out <laughs> in the world and we have a relationship with them. But as we get older, there's something about noticing when we're showing up as more of our child side and when we that child maybe needs a little bit of help from a good, kind parent. Not a parent who's going to say, get yourself in that seat and get it done. But someone who's going to say, oh, it's hard for you today and I see that but I know you can do this and mm -hmm. we're here for you you know that's what the kind of attitude we want for ourselves yeah and I'm wondering Leon why do you think <clears throat> that we as humans struggle so much with this concept of being kind to ourselves? oh yeah well I think it's sort of first I almost feel tingles from it because I think it's mm -hmm. actually for a really beautiful reason in some ways I think it's because so many of us really want so much we long for things. We want so much for ourselves and for the people we love. We want so much to live our lives in a big way. I think so many of us are passionate and excited. 
And it can be really confusing to be like unable to maybe meet those goals. We're also, so we have these big, exciting dreams and we have these things that we want. And then we also have no control over our lives and the things that happen to us and who we are, where we're born, who we love, what we're like, um, the way that others see us. All of these things are completely outside of our control. And so to have to sort of work with, continue to come back to, I, I want my dreams. I want to live my life. I want to do these things while at the same time navigating that complete lack of control it is so difficult. So I think we grasp for control by trying to fit ourselves into a certain way, which often can be quite unkind. Um, but I think in some ways it comes from this place of wanting so much for ourselves, which is a beautiful thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. And with my next question, actually, I'm super excited to ask you this because this is my first time asking this question of a cookbook author. Um, <laughs> but what is your own what is your recipe for your own be kind to yourself secret sauce? What are your favorite go-to strategies that you'd like to share with our listeners of that secret sauce? I love this question. Um, So for me, it's about connecting with my body. And the easiest way to do that is through the breath first and then the senses as well. So taking a really deep conscious breath, feeling it in my whole diaphragm, like all the way, like from, or my whole torso, like all the way to the very bottom, to the very top. Noticing how just that slows down my thoughts. I mean, it's so magical that a breath can interrupt our thoughts. It's incredible. And Mm then from there, it's doing, I mean, it, a lot of the time that we'll be getting some kind of food or just making food of some kind. And for me, the way that I approach that is that with these deep breaths to bring myself to exactly what I'm doing and nothing else. So like I was making uh, myself some like sushi handles for lunch today, mm. which sounds like, oh my gosh, wow. But it really mm. was just, and it, I mean, I it was lovely. It was a treat for a Friday. I like went extra, but I made a pot of sushi rice. Mm-hmm. And when I opened up the the brown rice bag, I became like my child self. And I mm-hmm. let my, I put my fingers into the rice and like <laughs> felt like my hand displaces it. And oh. it feels so fun and like mm. beautiful and they're so beautiful. It was something I did as a child. And then, you know, I've allowed the, the smells of the rice. And then I was cutting up my vegetables and kind of arranging them to create my little rolls. And it, I was noticing all of the aromas and the the sounds and all mm. of that is there, but it's only there for me to notice if I mm. allow myself to just be there and to just focus on exactly what's in front of me. And when I do that, I almost always begin to come back that my my if I'm nervous, and often it's like a sort of anxiety that's built up from usually like working all morning, trying to do a bunch of things, trying to respond to things quickly, which is all good stuff. You know, that's our bodies working as they should, trying to quickly do things, but it can be hard. We never taught how to kind of reset that and come back to center and, and get sorted out. And so for me, making some food in this way, consciously breathing and looking, enjoying the sort of sensory bath of the noises 
the even just my own heart beating, like all of that, the sound of the fridge humming. Of course, you can put on music if you like anything. Mm-hmm. Auditory um, is wonderful, but so is just literally all of your senses, just checking in with them and going through the end when you find yourself going to another thought and worrying about something in the future, trying to bring it back to, oh, it with us. Okay. What do I smell right now? Ooh, what, what is that really? Is that just the inside of my nose or is that rice <laughs> 10 minutes ago? It can be a really fun um, exercise. And I find it deeply soothing and calming. What a wonderful example too. Just we often hear in society, you know, oh, you know, mindfulness, you should practice mindfulness. And, yes. but what I really hear you saying like, is that. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> is in action and it truly does work it really does reset us and if we trust the process because it can be so hard to let go you're like oh but i if i just do this one more thing it's like, <laughs> you know, take the break and doing the one more thing afterward it'll be a breeze like that's the magic of a break it's like you're having a, a hard time doing your work because you need a break this is just how we work and when we don't allow ourselves to fully take a break then we continue the cycle of feeling like oh gosh and now I feel bad about myself because I'm working so poorly and but if we take that break and then we come back to it so often we'll be like oh my gosh not only can I make that decision I was struggling with but I'm doing everything faster mm-hmm. I love that and I love to just the um like you know I'm still envisioning this, uh, you know, cutting up the peppers and the smell yeah. of, you know, and the brown rice, your fingers, you know, kind of touching it. But it's so interesting because I think the way that you approach cooking is not only nurturing the body, but nurturing the soul, right? Exactly, right. Which we do tend to neglect in our daily lives. And so I think it really responds in those moments. It goes, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And I, um, and also I'll, I'll have to say too, is that I do find land for a lot of people, um, body image is tough, oh, you know, yes. um, mm-hmm. and I'm not even going to go as far as to say like loving our body, but even just that relationship with our body, um, a disconnect for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's so normal. Like that's the yeah. thing. It's so common. And I would say I was completely disconnected from my body for most of my life. It's really only been mm-hmm. the last few years that I've found that connection and truly in finding that really found the way for me to heal. But mm-hmm. it's, it's a tough one because when we come into our body, that's really where we're trying to avoid something that we're feeling. Um, if it's something like, I don't like myself, it's there. It's there in the body and we can just be up in our minds sort of, huh, let's just keep that feeling away from right. us. But when we don't deal with it for so long, it becomes harder to be in the body and the body is, yes, it has that bad feeling or that thing we are saying is bad, but really it's an opportunity for healing and every other good thing in life is in our body. It, our body tells us everything is so it's really what's here. It's what we are in. It's where our mind is. Our knees give us information. It doesn't all come from, you know, all of it is there. And so when we are so disembodied, it means that we, yes, we are able to avoid maybe some of the difficulties, but it comes back as chronic pain and things over time. And we lose connection with the joy of being in our bodies, those childlike. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
and just the experience of being alive, like the feeling of it's a beautiful October morning and there's sun streaming into this window and I can feel the warmth on my skin. And now I'm in a place in my life where I notice that Mm -hmm. and it really brings me happiness. Just as I'm sitting here talking with you, I can feel that warmth and that that is a good feeling. I'm so grateful to have that in my body and have that awareness. And I never used to have that. I never would have, I'd be like, oh, the sun's too bright. It's going on the screen. It's difficult for me. I would have had that kind of thought. And now it's, that's not the way that my body is like moving towards this lovely warmth and the, the warm qualities of the sun as well. Just noticing that it's different, warmer at this time of year than it is at others. And I feel good about that. And that's just naturally there because this lovely animal body feels that and I get to experience that too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in your journey of being a cookbook author and, um, you know, mindfulness, all the, all the amazing things you've done for our listeners, are there any other books podcasts, resources, any other recommendations that you could make for other things that you have impacted you? Oh my goodness. Well, hmm, there's all kinds of wonderful reading and devouring of culture, but I would say, and you can probably hear it from listening to me, for me, yoga has been probably the biggest, um, sort of opening for myself. And I don't mean yoga sort of just as exercise, but really yoga as this full life practice Mm -hmm. where it is something that it is this process that we do physically through the physical practice of movement, moving into these specific poses, but also through breathing and through meditation, how we we slowly but surely open and connect with our body. Because that is really what yoga is so different from other forms of of exercise that are sort of for strengthening and toning yoga, you strengthen and you become more flexible, but that's like the side effect of the real purpose, which is to open our body so that we can receive life fully. And I never knew that really, but I was like, oh, this is a nice exercise class. And you feel better, <laughs> better afterward. And like, there's a nice flow. I know, yeah, they're talking about flow. I kind of get it. Like I really not understand. And now that I do, I just, it makes such a difference. And I believe that yoga for me was sort of the greatest tool to be able to connect my, my mind and my body and to accept, to learn to accept whatever's there because in say a pose that maybe is a little bit challenging, my leg is shaking and I'm like, can I do this? As I breathe more deeply into my body in that moment, I teach myself that I can handle a difficult moment and that that's okay. My body is strong and capable and it belongs. And it's really that that is strengthening along with the muscles themselves. And then I notice that in my daily life that, oh my goodness, I am less reactive. You know, when my daughter sort of grabs a knife off the, <laughs> <laughs> instead of going, <laughs> and like sure. th- throwing myself at her and possibly causing us both injury. Yeah. You know, so you grab the knife like there's more space what yoga does in my experience in my lived experience is it as it creates more space in the body it creates more space between our what we see and how we react to it um because of all this wonderful complicated nervous system science that it's doing so well but it is 
profound. I can't tell you how just that to be able to have that pause in moments like that um, when, you know, having spent a lifetime before that without that ability is um, it's profound. Hmm. Hmm. Um, as we start to kind of, you know, wrap things up in our interview today, I'm wondering, um, I have two final questions, but the first one, is there any final message that you would like to impart to our listeners to further support them in their journey of learning how to be kind to themselves? Sure. Yes. Let me take a deep breath and see what's there. I think I just want to say that it is such a beautiful sort of creative process learning to be kind to yourself because it is a process that is just for you. Like no one can tell you exactly how to be kind to you. And I think that when we are more kind to ourselves, what it is, is this experience of self-discovery because mm -hmm. you'll really learn when you're kind to yourself and you begin to really treat yourself the way you deserve, that's when you will actually know yourself. And that to me is, I hate to be so sort of, <laughs> so I'm still, but I think that's the point of life. The point of life is for us to be with ourselves and to know ourselves and to give ourselves every possible thing because we are our body, us, who we are. This is all we have. This is all we really, really have. And so to be as good to ourselves as possible is like, I think the highest good we can do. And anything that is truly, truly good for us is good for everyone around us. I've seen that bear out time and time again. I think we worry so much about being selfish when we're, oh, what's the line between being kind to yourself and like just being self-indulgent? You'll know, you know, inside, mm -hmm. you really look inside, you know what that line is. And it's not that, it's not that hard to see at all. We know when we're being self-indulgent because self-indulgence hurts us. But true self-kindness, which may mean, you know, sometimes going, we got to get up a little earlier because we really <laughs> want to make that breakfast. Yes, it feels so good to be in bed. <laughs> we really want for our lives to get up a little earlier and have a little more time. That's the true self-kindness. And you know it, right? You really mm -hmm. do know it. And so I think, let I hope that that, I don't know, is a little inspiring that through being kind to ourselves, I believe that is truly how we know ourselves. Hmm. I love that. Absolutely beautifully said. And I love that example too, of, you know, that tug between, oh, it feels so good just to stay in bed, but <laughs> it's actually would be really nice to get up and do that breakfast or make that healthy meal. So, um, well, Leanne, as we do wrap up our interview, I'm wondering where may our listeners go to find out more about you? Oh, for sure. Well, I have a website. It's just my mm -hmm. name, leannebrown.com. And I have started um, this cool project on Patreon. Uh -huh. uh, it's again, patreon.com slash leannebrown, or you could Google it, I'm sure. And that's where I'm doing these embodied cooking courses where I mm. take us through a recipe, but I show you this process that I think I've alluded to, which is my personal process where I take deep breaths and then I ground into the senses and I just show how I slow down around food and it becomes this cooking meditation 
and I'm calm and I enjoy it. And I believe it's how, I believe it's why I'm a great cook, to be honest, because in paying such close attention to the senses, I pay attention to my own instincts. I become aware of the flavors and how everything goes together naturally. And I trust my body. And I believe that's how I've become a great cook. And I think it's actually how we all do because the funny thing is we, we think, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do that. I mean, the number mm-hmm. of people say like, how do you salt to taste and literally taste it? Does it need more salt? Your body will tell you yeah. a, a small child will go, Whoa, that's too salty. That's, <laughs> right. we, know, we know it. Our bodies know mm-hmm. we have to actually listen to them. So it's about teaching us, I think, to the, the whole embodiment. It's all the kinds of, yes, you'll learn how to cook, but I hope that you will come away more with this sort of nervous system therapy, this ability to calm and soothe oneself, to let go of stress. And maybe the most important thing of all to really learn how to trust the body and trust our senses and what they're telling you, because that will lead you in every good direction and allow you to connect with yourself and other people. This makes me want to like, go jump in my kitchen and start doing some cooking. Yeah, see? There we go. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have done your job, Leon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I just want to sincerely thank you for being here today. It's such a gift to be able to spend this time with you and for just sharing your insights and your experiences um, with our listeners. And I will be including the show notes, plenty of information so people can find you. Um, so again, Um, Thank you. And to my listeners, just a a gentle reminder to be kind to yourself. So yes, got to, got to keep, keep that going. (laughs) Well, thanks, Lannon and have a wonderful fall. Thank you. Oh, I already am. Good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Please note that the Be Kind to Yourself podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for mental health therapy. If you are interested in pursuing mental health therapy, I encourage you to connect with a provider in your area. Thanks so much.